0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd, more at candlewoodartsfestival.org.
1: Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, September 13th. A new homeless shelter in the Midway District is officially open. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The number of reported COVID cases in San Diego County remains low, and the county remains in the CDC's low-risk level for COVID. Meanwhile, new COVID boosters that target multiple strains of the virus are now available. The boosters target the original virus along with the Omicron variants that are predominant now. You can get the new boosters from some health care providers and pharmacies and at four county-run locations. The Chula Vista City Council is expected to vote tonight on a measure that, if passed, would ban the sale of flavored tobacco in the city. Supporters of the proposal were out in front of City Hall yesterday to urge its passage. They say tobacco companies are targeting children with products made to look and taste like candy. If passed, Chula Vista will join Solana Beach, Encinitas, San Diego, Imperial Beach, and the County of San Diego in banning flavored tobacco. Showers and thunderstorms brought flooding across parts of San Diego County over the weekend. The National Weather Service said the remains of Tropical Storm K were spinning about 300 miles southwest of San Diego. The chance of showers and thunderstorms will continue to decrease today through the end of the week. Temperatures west of the mountains are expected to gradually cool through the end of the week. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
2: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen.
3: We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
1: Earlier this year, Mayor Todd Gloria cited San Diego's growing homelessness problem as his administration's number one priority. Yet, despite the mayor's push to target homelessness through law enforcement, a new iNewsource report finds that zero convictions have been made by the city attorney's office. The disparity highlights a stark disconnect in priorities between the San Diego Police Department under the direction of Gloria and the city attorney's office in addressing homelessness. iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Delaney, who co-authored the story, Join KPBS's Jade Heidman to talk about the report's findings.
3: For months now, Mayor Gloria has touted efforts he's directed to address homelessness. Can you remind us what those tactics include and and how they've ramped up during the pandemic?
4: It could be broken down into three categories. The first is outreach. Social workers are hitting the streets every day to connect people to the services they need. Secondly, we have cleaning. City sanitation crews are sweeping through homeless encampments. And they're forcing those who live in these encampments to move their belongings temporarily so they can quite literally sweep the sidewalk and throw away trash and property. And then we have law enforcement. And in these sweeps, San Diego police officers are are always involved. And on one end of the spectrum, they could just be standing by to keep the peace as sanitation crews are doing what they're doing. But on the other end, they could be there strictly enforcing city laws that target unhoused people, such as sleeping where it's not allowed or blocking a public right-of-way. To enforce these laws, though, courts have said that police have to offer a shelter bed, And in San Diego, someone has to refuse that shelter bed four times before they can be arrested. But even so, we've seen a dramatic increase in arrests since the start of the pandemic.
3: Has this police-led shelter-first approach been effective in getting unhoused San Diegans out of homelessness?
4: It depends totally on who you ask. The mayor's office told me that this approach has helped place 700 people into housing from shelters, effectively ending their homelessness. But as I've reported, studies from around the country have consistently shown that this approach only makes it harder for people to find housing. Citations and arrests can lead to a a cascade of legal trouble and fines, which only serves as a barrier to finding a home.
3: Is that why the city attorney's office has declined to prosecute so many cases?
4: The San Diego city attorney, Mara Elliott, her office is responsible for handling misdemeanors committed within the city limits. And that's what many of these offenses are. But along with my colleagues, Jake Harper and Danielle Dawson, we found that Elliott's office has refused to file charges in two out of every three cases since the start of the pandemic. Of the cases that the office has pursued, every single one has ended in dismissal. And that's often because we found through our reporting that the city attorney handling the case asked for it to be dismissed or agreed with the motion to dismiss.
3: And you write that the lack of prosecutions points to a pretty clear disconnect between city-led enforcement efforts and the city attorney's office. Uh, What's behind this disparity?
4: We spoke to some academics and researchers about what's going on here, and they say, you know, in an an ideal world, the police and the city attorney's office have the same priorities. Police know what evidence is required to bring a case to the city attorney, and along with elected leaders city attorney is on the same page about what these priorities are. But to take this approach that the city has taken, you know, citing and arresting people only to have these cases rejected or dismissed. Those we talked to said it's a waste of resources only to show the public that something is being done to address the homelessness problem.
3: Have you reached out to any of the agencies involved for clarity on this situation?
4: Yes. My colleagues and I reached out to everyone involved with this, but none of them agreed to an interview. The mayor and city attorney had their spokespeople answer some questions over email. And the mayor's office basically said, look, it's, it's not his problem that these cases are being dismissed. Residents expect the city to enforce its laws, and that's exactly what officers are doing. And the city attorney's office says, well, these cases are being dismissed for a number of reasons, such as insufficient evidence or inability to locate witnesses. But they wouldn't comment on any particular case. And we certainly struggle to have an understanding of the larger picture of what's actually going on here.
3: And can you talk a little bit about what this whole process does to the individual unhoused resident? I mean, it seems like they're being shuffled around without much resolution or help.
4: I mean, from what I've witnessed and the people I've talked to, it's an incredibly destabilizing and dehumanizing experience in many cases. People are being criminalized for surviving in public view. They're ticketed and arrested when they refuse shelter. But many of the people who are living on the streets simply cannot go into a shelter for various reasons. They have a mental illness or a substance abuse disorder that's that's you know restricting access to that. And And once they're arrested, we found that they often don't show up in court, which only leads to a warrant for their arrest and more legal trouble. So it's just, it's a cycle. It's an endless cycle that we're seeing.
1: That was iNewsource investigative reporter Cody Dulaney, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hyndman. As mentioned, one way San Diego is trying to address its homelessness issue is by getting the unhoused into shelters. To that end, a new homeless shelter in the Midway District is now accepting residents. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman says the shelter is phasing in residents and expects to fill its 150 beds by the end of the month.
0: It's the morning of the Midway Shelter opening, and Alpha Project Outreach Specialist Robert McKinney is heading out with his partner, Elizabeth. They've been talking with local unsheltered residents and have a list of who they plan to bring in. Opening day, so... It's going to be a lot of hustle and bustle, you know what I mean? This new shelter is for men and women, and it has on-site mental health services. Its 150 beds will not all be filled right away. On the shelter's first day of operation, just 15 residents were allowed in, and that means a few of McKinney's clients, like Sandy, have to wait. McKinney gave her the news himself. Here's the deal. It's
5: kind of a... And that's it's kind of bad news. How so good news as well? Uh, what's bad news? So, uh, they they don't, they only allowed us to bring fifteen people in today. I don't get it. All right. But that means tomorrow we'll be first thing here to bring you you in there tomorrow.
0: The shelter is able to accommodate intakes twenty four hours a day pending bed availability. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News.
1: A place that served members of the LGBTQ plus community. Recovering from addiction is closing its doors. KPBS reporter M.G. Perez tells us why.
2: Almost every day since 1983, there have been recovery meetings at the Live and Let Live Alano Club. It's a safe place in the heart of Hillcrest for 12-step fellowship, primarily serving people who are LGBTQ+. A continuing drop in membership, donations, and other funding over the past few years has forced the board of directors to file bankruptcy and close the club. Hank Clark has been a member since he got sober 16 years ago. Why are meetings important?
4: Meetings are important
5: for different people for different reasons. I come for the fellowship.
2: While the bankruptcy is negotiated, the Alano Club is expected to stay open for at least several more weeks, giving time for groups to find other meeting places. M.G. Perez, KPBS
1: News. Coming up, efforts to save a rhino species that's nearly extinct. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
0: PBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more, MCASD.org.
1: Local cancer researchers are optimistic about President Joe Biden's Cancer Moonshot Initiative to cut cancer deaths in half. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne has the story.
5: 60 years after President John F. Kennedy set one challenge for the nation, We choose to go to the moon. President Joe Biden set a new challenge.
2: BD cancer is something we can do together.
5: On Monday, President Biden said the future of the cancer moonshot is to cut cancer deaths in half over the next 25 years. Dr. Thomas Buckholz is the medical director of Scripps M.D. Anderson Cancer Center. He's optimistic about that goal.
3: We've now increased our understanding through genomics, through new therapeutics, about how to to activate our own immune system against cancer. We're really at the door of making rapid advances.
5: Buckholz says incremental improvements in cancer death rates have been made in the last couple of years, and that has to do with regular doctor visits and early detection. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News.
1: A new rhino calf at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park represents another step in the effort to save a related rhino species that's nearly extinct. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson explains. The baby rhino begins the day leading mom Livia around the closed-off
2: rhino habitat on the eastern side of the park.
5: Yeah, he is a bundle of energy, which is all typical rhino-calf behaviors.
2: Wildlife care specialist Johnny Capiro is accustomed to watching the young animals zoom around the enclosure, usually with mom lumbering close behind.
5: He's really playful and confident. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that mom is so confident um, and feeling good about her role as a mom, so he doesn't have a care in the world right now.
2: And of course, all that running makes a romp in the mud even better. Pira says that mud bath cools the animal down, protects it from the sun's harsh rays, and keeps bugs off its hide. The baby weighed more than 100 pounds at birth and is already more than twice that size. And while the calf is cute and attracting attention, researchers are celebrating the birth because it's the first for mom Livia. She now joins two other southern white rhino females at the park out of a herd of six that have proven they can give birth and care for offspring. Barbara Durant is the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance's Director of Reproductive Services. She says the six females were brought here in 2015 to teach researchers about rhino reproduction.
6: We started getting exact details about the reproductive cycle. We knew vaguely what the rhino cycle was like from the animals that were breeding here in our field habitats, but we didn't know the details.
2: That's critical because these six females could one day be surrogate moms to the closely related northern white rhino. That species is on the precipice of extinction thanks to war and poaching. An aging mom and her daughter are the only northern white rhinos on the planet. Both are too old to breed, so surrogates could be a lifeline to keep the northern whites from going extinct.
6: That goal, for all of us, all of us working on this project, is a self-sustaining herd of northern white rhinos that we can reintroduce into native habitat. So we're backing way up and starting with the fundamentals.
2: San Diego researchers hope to do that by implanting an embryo of a northern white rhino into one of the proven moms. If the pregnancy is successful, the result would be a northern white calf. But it's complicated and unprecedented. The Wildlife Alliance's Carly Young is one of the researchers pioneering the techniques that they hope to use. Some steps are as basic as figuring out how to make the petri dish culture that cloned, fertilized rhino eggs will grow in.
5: So we've sort of taken protocols that we've learned for the horse and other protocols that I've learned using domestic cat, um, deer, even human. And we've taken all those protocols, and um, this is how we made the maturation media for the rhino, because no one's ever done this sort of work before.
2: Eventually, Young will use frozen northern white rhino cells to create sperm and eggs. Each egg will be the shell of a southern white with the northern white cellular material inside. A single northern white sperm will be injected, And the resulting embryo will be a northern white rhino.
5: I have no doubt that we can produce northern white rhino embryos with a southern white rhino um, host oocyte. Um, I just hope in the near future we could um, do an embryo transfer and, you know, figure out um, our technique to to do this and, and actually be able to produce a northern white rhino calf.
2: But challenges remain. Barbara Durant says researchers want proof of concept in the field with southern white rhinos before they tap their limited supply of northern white cells. German researchers have created northern white embryos using eggs harvested from the two living females, but creating the embryo is only half the battle.
6: There's never been a successful embryo transfer in any rhino species.
2: Durant says there has been steady incremental progress. Two females in San Diego did get pregnant from artificial insemination, The team knows more about rhino reproduction and three females are now candidates to have a southern white rhino embryo implanted. But Durant says the clock is ticking.
6: The northern white rhino is so close to extinction now that there's a very real possibility that before we have a northern white rhino calf that both of these females will be gone. And that will be bringing back an extinct species.
2: Successful or not, though, work being done with southern and northern white rhinos in San Diego could still prove invaluable to other species, like the Sumatran rhino, which only has a population of about 60 animals. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.